You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring Pastor Jenny Andoni and Pastor Amanda Lane. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. Now, let's meet Midway. Good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Welcome to the 1030 service. Please stand up and clap your hands with us. Let's get this thing started.
Welcome. We are so glad that you are here. Happy Father's Day to all. If you would, those of you who are online, go ahead and sign in in the comments. We're glad that you are here. Let's prepare our hearts for worship with a prayer. Lord, we have come this day seeking your presence and healing love. Be with us as we hear the words of hope and compassion. Give us courage to learn and grow that we may serve you faithfully all of our days. Amen. Blood. 
the blood. Thank you, Ben. You may be seated. It is a great joy and holy moment whenever someone comes to receive the sacrament of holy baptism in this this morning, Amanda and Victor Lane come to bring their son, William, and we invite y'all, and big brother David, and anyone else you've invited to, sh- to come. If, if y'all will, stand right down there, David, okay? Dearly beloved, baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which grace we become partakers of his righteousness and heirs of life eternal. Those receiving the sacrament are thereby marked as Christian disciples and initiated into the fellowship of Christ's holy church. Our Lord has expressly given to little children a place among the people of God, which Holy privilege must not be denied them. Remember the words of Jesus, how he said, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And Victor and Amanda, I ask you these questions. Do you, in presenting William for holy baptism, confess your faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Do you therefore accept as your bounden duty and privilege to live before him a life that becomes the gospel, to exercise all godly care, that he be brought up in the Christian faith, that he be taught the holy scriptures, and that he learn to give reverent attendance upon the private and public worship of God? Will you endeavor to keep this child under the ministry and guidance of the church until he, by the power of God, shall accept for himself the gift of salvation and be confirmed as a full and responsible member of Christ's holy church? Hey, William. Hey, Jonka, Jonka. Hey, buddy. What name is given to this child? William Martin, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Members of the household of faith, I commend to your love and care, William, whom we this day recognize as a member of the family of God. Will you endeavor so to live that he may grow in the knowledge and love of God through our Savior, Jesus Christ? With God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that this child, surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. So, this is your new family, William. 
in the Methodist church, we're all godparents. We all have a responsibility to help bring William up in the faith. And so it's a special honor since Amanda has come to join us on staff that we make that commitment to William today, that we are your church family and we'll help you to nurture him until he becomes for himself a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Sweet, sweet. And I got one more thing I'd like to share with y'all. It's a Paschal candle. We light it at funerals and at baptisms. And I'm going to give you all this candle. And then every year on this date, you can take it out and talk with William about this day that he was baptized and became a member of the family of God. Can you blow that out, David? Good job. Good job. <laughs> now have the opportunity to go to God in prayer with joys, with concerns, those that are things that are on our hearts that we've shared with others and those that we have only kept to ourselves. Would you pray with me now? and Lord of peace, be with us on this day. Calm our fears as we face uncertain futures. Help us to relinquish control and to place our trust totally in you. Remind us, God, to continue to faithfully work for good with gratitude for the many blessings you've poured out upon us. When the waves and the torrents threaten us, let us turn to you, remembering your saving mercies and your love. Give us courage to become disciples who can calm the seas of doubt and anger, bringing hope and peace. As we have brought before you situations that require help and healing mercies, Lord, we pray that you remind us again that you are with each person, that you are with each situation, offering your love and your mercy. We thank you so much for the many ways in which you have healed us. For all the goodness you've poured on us, we offer prayers of gratitude and love. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And we pray now together the prayer that was taught to us by saying, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue this morning in our series as we journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. Scripture lesson today is from Mark chapter 4, beginning with the 35th verse. Before we read together, let us pray. Lord Jesus, as we look at our world, there is much that frightens us. These days, we can't even take a drive on the interstate without fear of being shot. Lord, help us not to be afraid. Still the storms that rage around us and in us. Speak to us a word that gives us confidence of you, in you and your work in the world. Assuage our fears. That we would have a new confidence in your power working to bring about your kingdom. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great gale arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One-fourth of July, when our sons were young, my extended family gathered at my parents' house on Lake Lanier for the holiday. Well, that evening, we decided that we would take the four grandsons to see the fireworks from the lake. So the ten of us piled into the ski boat, and with my dad at the helm, we, we took off across the lake. We went about, I don't know, about 15 minutes until we arrived where what we thought would be a good vantage point from which to watch the show. Well, suddenly then, we saw a storm approaching from the other side of the lake. 
and pretty soon we were seeing fireworks all right, but not the pyrotechnic kind, but the kind of Mother Nature gives us and lightning that accompanies a summer storm. So my father started up the engine and, and headed the boat back towards home as hers and I held on tightly to our boys and I prayed to God to get us back safely to the dock. Well, it was a great relief when we made it back to the dock safe and sound. But what stands out in my memory about that harrowing ride is the broad smile on my father's water-sprayed face as he guided that vessel in that storm-tossed water, bringing his family safely back to shore. Jesus has been teaching the crowds with parables, delivering his message from a boat, that being the ideal vantage point from which to address the great crowd that has begun to gather, curious about this man who has been healing diseases and casting out demons. Now, with the shadows lengthening and the sun retreating, Behind the Galilean hills, Jesus directs the disciples to take the boat to the other side of the lake. He gives no explanation for this change in location, yet no one asks him why. Sure, the fishermen they are among the disciples are used to being on the lake at night because that is when they fish in Galilee. But why cross the sea in the first place? What's on the other side that's worth the trip? You know, on a clear day, the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias as it is also known, is a very placid body of water. It's a large lake, about four square miles larger than Lake Lanier although it's round and not elongated, so it's a very impressive in size. It's also the lowest freshwater lake on the face of the earth, which means that it's a basin so that the winds from the hills come down and funnel into it and can quickly kick up the waves like in the story as Mark describes it. There's a museum in Galilee that displays what is called the Jesus boat, so-called because it, is, it has been dated to the time of Jesus. It's thought to be the kind of vessel that Jesus and his disciples would have used. The boat is 27 feet long, about seven and a half feet wide, and only four feet deep. Not a very big vessel, you know, to hold 13 grown men, especially under the harrowing conditions that Mark describes. A great gale whips up waves so fierce that the boat starts to take on water. While terror seizes the disciples, Jesus is sleeping like a baby on a pillow in the stern, seemingly unfazed. 
by the disciples' terror. The disciples wake him up with an accusing question. Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Isn't that the question we all ask when our souls are troubled or life is in peril? Most people believe in God, especially when the going gets tough. After all, what's the saying? There are no uh, atheists in foxholes, right? The question isn't, is God real? The question is, does God care? Don't you care that we are perishing? When the howling winds of doubt and fear assail, we want a sign, a reassurance that God is with us in the storm, not asleep at the wheel. And we need to know that God cares about us and about the fix we're in. Stirred from his slumber, Jesus rebukes the storm in the same way that he earlier rebuked the demons. Peace be still, he commands. And immediately the wind ceased. And there is, Mark says, a dead calm, which I've always thought was a curious turn of phrase for him to use. A great storm immediately be becomes a great calm. Now it's Jesus' turn to pose the question, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Why are they afraid? Because that's the natural reaction to a life-threatening situation. Of course they're afraid. Who wouldn't be? We can well imagine ourselves in the boat with Jesus and the disciples in the storm, much like Rembrandt, who painted himself into his painting of the storm at sea. We don't have to have ever been on a sinking ship to identify with the disciples' fear. Fear seizes us in all kinds of situations. When our health is threatened by a raging sea of cancer cells. When the predictable life that we have known is turned upside down by an unexpected announcement or event. When the marriage that started off with such promise dies. When the storm of addiction pulls us to rock bottom. When the child we love is struggling and there's really nothing we can do to help them or make it any better. When the country we love appears to be falling apart at the seams. We're well acquainted with fear because storms are an inevitable part of living in a fallen world. Why are we afraid? Because we're not in control. And we were never meant to be. The disciples do not answer Jesus' question about their faith. Instead, they murmur to each other, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
The disciples are mystified by Jesus. Our translation reads that they were filled with great awe. Literally, though, what was, is written there is that the disciples are fearful with great fear. Jesus' demonstration of his power doesn't eliminate their fear. If anything, it raises it. Sure, they've committed following Jesus, but for all practical purposes, they've missed the boat in terms of grasping who he is and the kind of power that he wields. The writer Annie Diller once asked this question. Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or, as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? The churches are children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our chairs. For the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense, or the waking God may draw us out to where we can never return. Ultimately, this story about Jesus stilling the storm is another parable. It's a parable about the church, which is often symbolized by a boat. The church is a community of faith that God calls out into uncharted territory, trusting Jesus to hold her together through the dangers within and the perils without so that we can reach the destination to which God is calling us to go. Let us go across to the other side, said Jesus. What is on the other side? There Jesus will begin his ministry among the Gentiles, in the community of the Gerizines. He'll be entering foreign territory, extending his mission beyond the house of Israel and eventually to all the world. It's unknown territory. And if we as a church are to follow him, then that is where we will go too. God doesn't call us to safe harbors, my brothers and sisters, but to leave our comfort zones and venture into the uncharted territory of ministry and mission. Which makes me wonder, what would the other side be for Midway? Maybe it means that in addition to giving our money, to support missions, that we will spend our time outside of these walls, building relationships and ministering to people with needs in different situations, much like we do with Family Promise. Or perhaps it means that our early response team will be ready to go at a moment's notice when a disaster hits to help people whose 
lives have been turned topsy-turvy by a storm. When I served at a church in Fayette County, there, there was a terrible tornado that hit a nearby community. And it's no exaggeration to say that it literally looked like a bomb had gone off in that area. Well, I was the staff person over mission, so I, I put out a call for people to come on Saturday so that we could go out there and help with cleanup. It was a 2,000 member church. You want to take a guess at how many people showed up to help? 10 is a good guess. It was six. Six people. And when I bemoaned the lack, the puny response, someone pointed out that maybe it was because we only gave a couple of days notice. Well, what are you supposed to do? Schedule the disaster? Most ministry happens in the moment as a response. Most of the ministry that we are about in our daily lives isn't something that's on the calendar. If anything, the storm at sea reveals that life with Jesus is anything but scheduled and easy, convenient. It doesn't involve smooth sailing that fits neatly into our ordered life. If anything, following Jesus pulls us out into the middle of the storm where our faith is stretched by learning to trust in God's power and presence even when the seas rage and the ride is wild. Robert Louis Stevenson told the story of a ship tossed at sea. The sea was rough and the rocky coast perilously close. Danger was real and dread was active among the sailors. One frantic sailor laboring below the waterline couldn't take it anymore. So he rushed to the control room, slammed the door behind him, and stood frozen in fright, watching as the captain wrestled with the controls of the ship, guiding the vessel through the threatening rocks into the open water. The captain turned slightly, looked at the young, frightened sailor, and smiled at him. And with that, the sailor returned below deck and assured the crew that there was nothing to be afraid. When asked how he knew, he said, I saw the face of the captain, and he smiled at me. Following Jesus, my brothers and sisters, does not guarantee safe harbor. If anything, discipleship calls us away from the shore, far removed from our comfort zones into the wild and impetuous sea of humanity and the troubled world in which we live. A world that is dying to know that there is someone who is there. 
someone who cares, someone who loves them enough to relinquish all his power and die for them. Sometimes the Lord will calm the storm. Other times, the Lord will allow the storm to rage and instead calm his child. Either way, God is there. God cares. Having chosen to get in the boat, he's in the fix with us. And that means there's nothing for which we need to be afraid. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To God. Won't you offer your heart, your mind, and your entire self?
would show by now that you ever reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I'll say amen, and it's still raining. And as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. Praise you. 
of our band leading us. Thank you very much. And thank you for your presence here today. Now may God go before you to guide you. May God go behind you to direct you. May God go beside you to befriend you. May God rest above you to protect you. May God rest below you to uphold you. And may God dwell within you to comfort you now and forevermore. Amen. Praise you in this storm. I'm in the head. You are who you are. No matter where I am. Let me see my pride. You hold in your hand. Hold it to the church. No matter where I am. I praise you in this storm. been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel, an acoustic worship service at 9.45 a.m. in our historic chapel, and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.